from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the show. Hey, hey, hey. Coming to you from our brand new state-of-the-art recording studio. <laughs> we built yeah. out of PVC pipe and blankets mm-hmm. in our uh, well, and sound blankets. Shower rings. <laughs> yeah, shower rings are holding the sound blankets up. Uh-huh. And uh, just to get ourselves out of our bathroom. Yeah. Where we, as you know, if you're a longtime <laughs> listener, have been recording from with, uh, you know, blankets all pinned to the walls. But we managed to tuck this away in a corner of the house we never use. And I think it can just stay here. I hope so. That would be amazing. The idea, the, the the perfect idea, is that we can sit down, watch watch the entire MCU over again, or The <laughs> Expanse, or whatever show we can't shut up about, finish an episode, run in here, lay down our thoughts, and have somebody pay us a bunch of money for them. Yeah. One day. Really amazing. Hey, if y'all want to hear it, let us know. <laughs> yeah, we'll start a Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be our Patreon for you. Hey, people have done Patreons for way less interesting things. I'm aware. I'm aware. (laughs) There's many a Patreon out there that will never be patronized by me, but (laughs) 
I admire them for doing it. Yep. It's just because I'm like, if I gave $10 a month to everybody that I wanted to, oh, I know, I'd right? be broke. <laughs> There's no way. That's a Part of it is just like, yeah, I, if I, well, if I give $10 to you, then I'm actively not no, giving $10 to, to somebody else. else. And now I feel crazy. Now I have all this stress. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. How do I? Well, I'm going back into my hole and I, no one bother me. Do I consider this person a better artist than this other person? Right. Do I consider that this person a closer friend than this other person? That doesn't make any sense. It's not unlike Facebook birthdays for me. Yes, like totally. By January 3rd, I've missed a Facebook birthday post. And then I'm like, well, now I can't wish anyone a happy birthday for the rest of the year. That's it. And I don't. That's why I took mine off Facebook. Because I was like, I never wish anyone a happy birthday. Yeah. And then on your birthday, you get 156 messages from people you barely talk to anymore. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, I need to like respond. Anyway, so I was like, fuck it, just take it off. I need that though. I need the. I need the hundred. I know 000. It, it is. It is a bit sad when when you realize how few people actually do know your birthday. <laughs> but it's also like again, I don't know your fucking birthday, so well, I ain't mad at you. <laughs> nobody knows anyone's birthday till the day it comes up on Facebook. You know. Well, I mean, like I know your birthday. Yeah, I would hope so, <laughs> and I know yours. Don't ask. Don't ask. Don't ask. Don't ask. Don't ask. Don't ask. Don't When's ask. my birthday? It's on a Wednesday. I know that much. It has been on a Wednesday before. It's always. It's the third Wednesday past the second full moon in the third quarter of the year. Great job, babe. You got Otherwise it. known as March 10th. <laughs> Is that right? the third quarter of the year? No. Well, in my year, I operate on a different calendar. You have a different calendar. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, is that the third quarter? What's your fiscal year like? <laughs> There's nine quarters in my year. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Your math is so crazy. It's just a little more advanced than what you're used to. <laughs> oh, it's advanced. Yes. As well. Yes. <laughs> All right. I guess I'm prepared to learn. Not really. <laughs> I was barely prepared to learn the math I do know. <laughs> oh, well. Speaking of not knowing things, there's a transition, right? It did some. <laughs> Sometimes we don't know things. It's like the beaded curtain of transitions. Look. <laughs> sort of clumsy, but it looks good. Yeah, thank you. It serves a purpose. We got through it. It's kind of clacky, you know? We're on the other side now. We don't need to comment on it. We've no, passed through. We're done. The curtain's behind done us. With the curtain. So let's talk about things in the past that we haven't known and how those things were fixed for us. Yeah, sometimes questions pop up for us in the middle of recording an episode and y'all will come through with the answers and it's awesome. <laughs> it's like so cool. Uh-huh. You, you send in comments or you send emails or messages or whatever and they go straight to a magic tape on a little box called our answering machine. Just answer the question. Oh, and look at that. We do have one here on our answering machine. Okay, this one comes from our dear friend, one of my favorite people in the whole wide world, Bobby. Hey, Bobby. Bobby's the best. And uh, sorry, Bobby, because we made him go crazy because of a question that we posed in our recent episode about Lucy and Desi Arnaz. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was in part one of that episode we got to talking about lions for some reason. I think we were talking about, we talked too much about Lucy being a Leo. <laughs> it came up a few times and I was like, you know, she's a lion. She's got a big mane. Right. She's like king of the jungle. Oh, that's right. And then I thought in in real time, you heard my brain break. Because uh, I was like, wait a minute. King of the jungle. Lions 
I'm thinking about the Lion King, and I'm like, lions mm-hmm. don't live in jungles. Right. Lions live in the grassland, the savannas, right? So where the hell did King of the Jungle come from? And we got very confused, and then we kind of dropped it. Uh, but Bobby, listening to the episode, <laughs> couldn't handle it, and he texted me today and said, you hurt my brain this morning, and I had to look this up. <laughs> Sorry, Bobby. Heard that. Heard that. But we all learned something. He found the Hindi word jungly, from which originates the term jungle, originally meant any wild, uninhabited place, such as a grassland or a desert, and not necessarily a tropical rainforest. So a lion really is king of the wild. Oh, look at that etymology detection. Exactly. He, he was like a detective of language just then. Brilliant. Pretty dope. I know, and it makes sense too. All yeah, of my it does. all of my confusion about King of the Jungle is now It's like concrete jungle. Clear. Well, I think that's fascinating. I'm very glad that Bobby yes. did that work for us. Thank you, Bobby. And we're always happy for all the work you guys do for us in oh, uh, yeah. clearing up our misconceptions. That wasn't really a corrections corner. We didn't get anything wrong. We just yeah, but it's something to learn. Know. It's yeah, pretty something cool. to learn. Yeah. So if you all have anything like that pop up, if we get stumped on something and you want to send us an answer, uh, send it to our answering machine. Yeah. And we will uh, maybe read that on an upcoming episode. We've already got a bank more that we're going to be coming up to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of good answers. So we're going to bring you an episode today that is unlike, I think, maybe anything else we've done so far. Akihiko Kondo is a Japanese man who, in his early 20s, had given up on love. He was certain he would never meet a woman who loved him for who he was, and he had resigned himself to being alone forever. But one day, he met Hatsune Miku, the girl of his dreams. She was everything he ever wanted, and she accepted him unconditionally. And in 2017, they married in a small but beautiful ceremony with 39 friends in attendance. Well, that sounds lovely. Sweet little story. It makes right? me wonder Gorgeous. what's so ridiculous about this particular romance. I mean, you've got a boy who gives up on love. Mm-hmm. He meets a girl. He marries the girl. Right. They live happily ever after. Sounds pretty standard to me. It's a Hallmark movie. Yeah. That everyone's seen 100,000 times. Right. And not even that particular. There's not even a hook to it. No. You just get married. It's very bland, honestly. Yeah. And honestly, this guy's romance is pretty typical. There's not that much about it that stands out, except for this one tiny little detail. Hatsune Miku, his wife, is a vocaloid. That's a digitally synthesized singer. She is a computer-generated character. Y'all, the man married a cartoon. So let's decode this digital dream girl (laughs) and... See if all these ones and zeros add up to anything. (laughs) Well, I am jacked in. Let's go. (laughs) Hey there, friends. Come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in a show, Ridiculous Romance. A production of iHeartRadio. Akihiko Kondo is a Japanese man who's currently about 38 years old as of today. And yeah, he never really thought that he was going to fall in love with anyone. He was always bad at talking to women. And honestly, maybe because of this, he never really had any romantic ambitions. He was bullied a lot as a kid 
for being yeah, a little different, kind of nerdy, socially awkward, that kind of thing. You know, I mean, I was that kid in yeah. middle school, mm-hmm. not high school. I was super cool, but, uh, <laughs> but it took wow. a while. <laughs> what a brag. <laughs> I never really got there. I'm still socially <laughs> awkward. <laughs> but, you know, as with all kids who get bullied in school, he was just waiting for the day that he would finish his studies and he would finally enter the adult world where people treated each other with respect, right? Ooh. I know. I'm worried. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he finally graduated in the early 2000s and he decided to become a school administrator. So, so much for the respect. Seems funny that he was bullied a lot in school and he was (laughs) like, you know what, we'll go back to school. school. (laughs) Why would you want to go back there? Maybe it was like... Uh, now I can handle it. I'm a grown up. Like, you know, Maybe, yeah. all those kids used to bully me. I'm going to be in charge of them now. So mm-hmm. Maybe he was even like, I could stand up for one of these kids yeah, like me. Yeah. You know, I would see him. My Cultivate a better environment. Me. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. he saw thought like that. I don't know. Speculation station. Well, it's a nice dream. But uh, now that he was working as an adult, the bullying did continue. This time, instead of his childhood classmates, it was his working colleagues. Wow. Other teachers teased him to his face and belittled him in front of students. Damn. Yeah, they would refuse to say good morning to him. He'd say good morning and they would just not say anything at all at the beginning of the workday. And then at the end of the workday, he says in this documentary that it's standard to tell someone, goodbye, I hate to leave before you. It's like the standard goodbye. And he said that they would move around the school actively to avoid him so that he couldn't say this and properly say goodbye to anyone. What? That yeah. just seems so petty. Very petty. Like, y'all really scuttling around an entire building right. so this guy can't say goodbye to you? One female coworker berated him so badly that he had a mental breakdown, and he considered <gasps> never going back to work, despite loving his job. He referred to himself as hikikomori, which is a phenomenon in Japan and South Korea Described by BBC as when young people, mostly men, become hermits in their own parental homes, refusing to go outside or even speak to their families. But when he was 25, he met Hatsune Miku and everything changed. He discovered her in this online video, singing beautifully, and he was enchanted by her. Immediately, he decided this is who he needed to be with. And she, like, bounced across the screen with this long, aqua-colored hair, singing upbeat and happy tunes, beaming joy from her big blue eyes. And ten years later, they got married. So let's talk about Miku and just what makes her so damn enchanting. (laughs) She, yeah. Beautiful princess of anime. Snatched him up real quickly. The name Hatsune Miku breaks down to the words Hatsu, which means first, Ne, which means sound, and Miku, which means future. So Hatsune Miku is the first sound of the future. She is a vocaloid, which is a singing, voice-synthesizing software. Basically, a bank of words with a voice. And users can take this software, design music, and input lyrics, and she performs it. The company Krypton Future Media developed her using vocaloid tech from Yamaha, the guys who make pianos. Sure, yeah. Synth keyboards. Oh, the original, yeah. High school ha- band instruments. I think I had a Yamaha. And, of course, jet skis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Such a weird product line. Yeah. Like, what does your warehouse no. look like? <laughs> Consolidate your brand. <laughs> so to make Hatsune Miku, they take voice samples from a voice actress named Saki Fujita, who you might know from some of her anime projects. 
like Attack on Titan. I feel like that's something I've heard of. I think I've heard of that. And my complete lack of knowledge on anime. <laughs> that sounds like familiar. She was also in something called Pretty Cure Dream Stars. That one's not on my radar. <laughs> and another one called Working! With two exclamation points. Well, I really want to watch it. <laughs> working! Exclamation point, exclamation point. I mean, I feel like that's my life, right? Working! Working! Yes. And so, okay, so they get her voice, and each vocal sample she gives is a monosyllabic Japanese phonic. So every single mm-hmm. voice phonic there is, ha, ki, su, yeah. whatever. Oh, ni, chi. And when these are strung together, they create full lyrics and phrases. So you go in, you, you plunk out the music on this digital keyboard, mm-hmm. you type in the lyrics, and they pull from her bank of every syllable, adjust the pitch as necessary, and she sings. Pretty amazing. People were fascinated by it. Sure. Miku is also the first trilingual vocaloid. She has different voice settings like soft, sweet, dark, vivid, solid, and light. Did I get those all accurately? Yeah, I think so. I I think so. (laughs) I feel like you should add that to your voice voice reel. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have six different voice settings. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, perfect. I'm the Vocaloid you've been looking for. <laughs> Would you like to hear that more soft? So originally, she was just aimed at professional musicians, right? It seemed like a cool thing. If you know how to write music and you can make this digital girl sing for you, great. True. Show Plus me what you got. She could be like your backing tracks. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. would be cool. But in her first year, she was the number one selling piece of software. And in 2011, the Independent reported that she had sold 60,000 units which is insane because synthesizing software considers a thousand units to be a success. Oh. An average piece of this software normally would sell two to three hundred units around this time. So sixty thousand is insane. This totally blew up. Good lord! Like nobody thought it would. The company had a hard time keeping up with orders because no one expected it to sell like this. Right. Hatsune Miku is what's known as a moe anthropomorph. And moe is a type of anthropomorphism that creates anime human-like creatures from non-human objects, like plants, animals, anything. (laughs) Anything translated into human form. Name it, make a cute anime girl out of it, preferably Uh with a short skirt and big boots. (laughs) In this case, Miku is is the anthropomorphication of a computer, I guess. I guess, yeah. Kind of. I mean, she basically, like, again, it's very inspired by, she has got, like, digitally looking patterns on her hands. On her sleeves, (laughs) yeah. On her arms and stuff. Mostly she just looks like a teenage girl. Right. Um, She's supposed to be 16 years old. 16, which is Mm -hmm. um, a whole other topic of conversation. Throwing that out there. Uh Uh-huh. And she's in a, a really short skirt, as, as it is usual. Standard, standard. Standard. She has this aqua hair in long twin tails that go down all the way down to her ankles. Very long hair. Very classic also. Yep. Definitely. Like anime girl. You get it. You, you, you see anime girl. a picture of her. She looks like an anime eye. girl. <laughs> She's got like some computer lights on her sleeves a little bit. Okay. It's very But subtle. she's <laughs> meant to be inspired by the World Wide sure. Web. Sure. And to be clear, this software is just that. It is a uh, music software. Hatsune Miku is just the picture on the box. 
Right. There's no animation going on in the initial software. So musicians, professional, amateur, (laughs) dabblers, whoever, would buy this software. They would make their own music. And then in 2008, a programmer named Yu Higuchi created a freeware program called Miku Miku Dance, which let users create 3D animated movies of Miku. So soon you got YouTube blowing up with Miku dancing around, singing songs, breaking hearts. Right. Looking cute, breaking hearts. Finally, what was in everyone's head kind of came to life. Miku actually moving around and dancing. And so this is around when Akihiko Kondo discovered her. In the documentary, I Married a Hologram on RT.com, he said, When I listened to her songs and watched her videos, I felt better. To me, Hatsune Miku is not just a character I love. She's a person who saved my life. Before long, he started to feel like they were in a relationship. I guess he was just spending so much time with these videos. Hmm. Um, And that gave him the confidence to go back to work. He said, The emotion is no different from a real relationship. You feel the pressure in your chest. I experienced this feeling just like falling in love with a real person. Gradually, the 2D and 3D worlds in my life have changed places. But the title, I Married a Hologram, isn't even really accurate. When Akihiko first encountered her, she only existed as various animations and some basic virtual games that they put out for, like, phones and stuff. Mm -hmm. Eventually, with her massive surge in popularity, the marketing opportunities just blew up. And then now we're getting Miku in many forms. There's, like... Various artistic representations. I mean, type it in on Google and you're going to see 3 billion Mm -hmm. search results for anyone's fan art of Hatsune Miku. (laughs) But then it was commercialized, too. There's dozens of different types of dolls and collectibles, plushies, vinyls, posable figures, intricate statues, little action figures, like all kinds of little collectible trinket style stuff. That's like when you go to a real Sanrio surprises, oh like Hello Kitty store, and you see they have like toasters. They yeah. got they have like waste paper bat. Like they have everything. Yeah. If there's Hello an item, Kitty. we have a Hello Kitty version of it. Yes, and probably also Kuropi. <laughs> right, right. The frog. If it was socially acceptable to deck this house out in any number of fandoms, <laughs> uh, more than we already have, I, mean, <laughs> I would continue to do so. And I'm like, basically, I'm if I could afford like, it, it would happen. Well, yeah, that's that's when you need a big house. Celebrities have big houses, not because they need a bunch of places to live. Yeah. They just need a bunch of rooms to store their various fandom stuff in. Yeah, sure. It's like, yeah. I got my Marvel rooms. I got my... I'm sure Leonardo DiCaprio's <laughs> house is chock full of Pixar figurines. Oh, my <laughs> He God. just had a whole extra wing built Definitely. for all of his Toy Story dolls. I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Now I want to see it. I bet he takes himself too seriously for that. Oh, my God. How did we end up in Speculation Station? <laughs> I don't know. We forgot to fall in. <laughs> we're, at the, we're at the Leonardo DiCaprio stop. <laughs> How did we get to Leonardo DiCaprio? Well, choo-choo. Let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> let's go back to Japan. Yeah. <laughs> Akihiko came to understand that he genuinely had no interest in human women. He says... Tri-dimensional women don't interest him. And he refers to himself as fictosexual. So this is an umbrella term for people who are attracted to fictional characters. Mm. LGBTA.wikia says that fictosexuality 
is, quote, simply an attraction to or desire of someone who does not exist outside fiction, and that fictosexuals may have no sexual feelings towards people in reality. So I guess it's just like when you fall in love with a character in a book or something, but you there's no physical representation of that love. Right. Like they the literally universe. don't exist in you the real world. You just love to visit that book because you love that character and you yeah. spend more time with them. Yeah. But I think I would I think they would say more so than just like I love this character, right? It is right, it right, is a right. strong emotional feeling. Connection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh parallel to the romantic feeling that two people would have. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people seem to associate fictosexuality with asexuality for this reason. There's comments on this page from users who talk about their asexual and aromantic real-world experience, but they still have romantic feelings for fictional characters. Yeah. So, again, not in real life. Right. It seems to a lot of them, and not not all people, I think— have that asexual real world experience. But yeah, a lot of them, I think, do say, look, I've never felt an attraction, physical or emotional, to another human being. Mm -hmm. And I considered that I'm just not, I'm asexual. I'm aromantic. That's just not something that is interesting to me in my life. I have other interests. I'm not going for that. But oh, I I watched Disney's Robin Hood (laughs) and I couldn't take my eyes off that Mm -hmm. fox. Um, I mean, all right. Who can blame Now, listen, ladies and gentlemen (laughs) and... Everything Everyone else. was a little confused by the Robin Hood. We movie. all watched Robin Hood and said, "What is happening to me?" <laughs> I mean, I made Marion. I had a real thing. Hello, for <laughs> literally a vixen. I bet little John spoke to some of y'all. Oh out yeah, there. the the bear lovers. Obviously, right? <laughs> I loved him too. It's hilarious. King Bear like, Daddy. Yes, little John, <laughs> you are so fun with those yeah. jewels in your mouth. And just for the uninitiated, if you don't know. Um, asexuality is the sexuality where you don't have a sexuality. You don't right. feel sexual attraction for any gender on, along any spectrum yeah. at all. But there are romantic asexuals right. who do enjoy things like holding hands or cuddling. They might enjoy kissing. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the kind of intimacy like that. Right. But never really interested in sex mm-hmm. per se, mm-hmm. as you and I might think of it. And then there are aromantic asexuals who just, they don't like the, that touching part either. They're not interested right. in the sensual experience of yeah. love. We're going broad in the spectrum today. Yeah, very true. And I will say I am not myself asexual, so please let me know if I explained that correctly or not. And right. if I did not, we will go into corrections corner <laughs> at another time. That is right. <laughs> um, so we are going to get way more into fictosexuality, digisexuality, things like that. Um, But first, we're going to learn more about Akihiko and Miku and their relationship uh, right after we come back from this commercial break. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? 
I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. And we're back. So in 2018, a magical new technology came out called Gatebox. Doesn't sound very exciting. It is very exciting. Oh, okay. Gatebox is basically a glass cylinder. It's about 18 inches tall. It's on a little black electronic stand. Mm -hmm. And it projects a 3D hologram inside which could act as an AI companion and a digital assistant, much like your Alexas and your Googles and oh, things but you like can that. See her. But you can see her. And they had a few different characters available on release, including, of course, the highest selling Vocaloid and one of the most popular characters, Miku. Mm. At first, they only had 339 units being sold. And Akihiko went through a rigorous selection process. At this point, they've been together for almost 10 years. So he had to have this gate box with a, with a real-life Miku inside. And he eventually emerged as the frontrunner, one of the people to get one of those first 339 gate boxes after dropping about $2,700 for it. It's a pricey digital assistant. I mean, that's pretty cheap hologram though well, don't for, you yeah think? i mean for what it does <laughs> i'm impressed you know can i just ask what yeah. do you think the selection process is? like what kind of <laughs> questions are you asking to get this gate box uh yeah uh let's see question one are you gonna fuck the gate box <laughs> check yes or no <laughs> akihito checks yes and then he's like, like crumple it up <laughs> i'll start over what else um do you think that the question was just, how much are you willing to pay for <laughs> yeah, right. this hologram and a glass <laughs> cylinder? And, like, whoever answered the highest numbers were the ones picked. Yeah. Name a price. You had to, like, range, yeah, yeah. <laughs> range it out. And then you had to provide, like, financial records to show that you can right, afford it. Right, right. 
That was probably the, that was probably it. Who was number one? Who who offered the most? Probably Leonardo DiCaprio. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, he's seven million dollars. <laughs> but like, I wanted right, to be well, my more... character for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> and he just talks to himself. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> and he, Leo. Point, he points at his own cylinder. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Leo, great work in that movie. He's like, thanks, boss. You too. He calls himself boss. Of course. We're spending so much time on Leo in this story about Japanese culture that I feel like it's that Akira remake that never happened. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Akihiko drops $2,700 and gets the gate box and his whole life changes because suddenly Miku, his girlfriend, went from being just an animation on YouTube videos and in phone games with sort of pre-designed phrases and songs that someone else had written, to someone who could actually speak and interact with him. She wakes him up in the morning, wishes him a good day when he leaves for work. She texts him throughout the day to kind of check in on him. And before he comes home, he texts her and she turns the lights on and greets him when he walks in the door. He tells her about his day. He tells her he loves her. And at night, she reminds him when it's time for bed. It's very limited, to be sure. Like, it's not a whole lot. It's not a real person. But think about what a huge step forward this is from just the dolls and videos that he had before. Mm-hmm. I want to know what uh, texts she sends him. <laughs> I want to know what texts she sends him throughout the day. <laughs> I was looking at your phone and I want to know who Joni is. <laughs> right. You forgot eggs again. <laughs> like she cares. <laughs> right? I reminded you to buy eggs and we're out of eggs. My Again. battery's running low. Again. <laughs> nah, she's probably just like, love you, kisses. You know, shit like that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Just like every now and then he looks at his phone and she's like, Oh, no, definitely. Thinking of you, heart emoji. Yep. The perfect woman. <laughs> she says, good morning. She says, good night. <laughs> that's all I need. <laughs> what else could you want? I mean, honestly, that's part of it. She turns on the lights when I get home. I mean, <laughs> what more you ask for? That's kind of part of it, and we'll get into that later, but... He says, like, you know, this is this is someone who I'm never going to disagree with. She's never going to age. We're never going to have troubles. You know, we're never going to fight. Uh, that That's part of the appeal is is that she's, well, the simplest good qualities and none of the negatives, which, mm. of course, doesn't really make for a fulfilling relationship to you and I, to, to many people. Mm-hmm. Um, we want something more three-dimensional, tri-dimensional, as he says. <laughs> but uh, but that's kind of what he's looking for. And the, the, the day after his gate box loaded, he said, Miku, I love you. Let's get married. And she replied, take good care of me. And he said that was the best moment that gate box could possibly give him. I'm so torn because on one hand, I'm like a little bit scornful, even though, you know, I I like to be open minded and he ain't hurt nobody with his hologram girlfriend. I don't care. So whatever. Do you think? But I'm a little bit scornful because often with like this type of thing, it's like just I'm so sick of women. They're so difficult, you know, and I'm like, and I sure if you have a hard time connecting with women, but you're attracted to women. That's hard. I, I, I'm, yes, I get that. Right. But uh, it, it makes me a little bit scornful because I'm just like, you're, I feel like my knee jerk reaction is that you don't know how to treat women like full human beings. Yeah. So what you'd rather have is this facsimile of a woman who never disagrees with you, never says no, yep. never 
turns away in anger <laughs> or sadness, whom you can never disappoint because she has no expectations mm-hmm. of you or for you. And I'm a bit scornful of that kind of person, I guess. Absolutely. But I'm also like, you know, thank God he's not making some real woman miserable right now. <laughs> so whatever. I mean, <laughs> that's true. Or, you know, enacting violence or taking it out exactly. on the world in like, some way. Shit. I mean, um, get your Alexis if you want. If it leave a real woman out of it. But, but it, it does know. have a tinge of uh, this way. I don't have to work on myself. Yeah. This way yeah. I don't have to. I don't have to make it work. Mm-hmm. I can. This works well enough for me. Right. But I don't know. It, it also like. I think it's a fairy tale to say there is definitely someone for everyone. Mm-hmm. Everyone will find love at right. some point in their life. Some people don't. Like, that's the cold, hard reality is some people live their whole lives and never find love. Mm-hmm. And I hope that the vast majority of those people, if not all of them, find something else that fulfills them in other ways. I, right. I think that we also put a lot of pressure on love as being the sole reason for existing. And right. for some people it is. And for some people it just doesn't have to be. And I think we put a lot of pressure on that. Yeah. So if someone's like, look, I'm asexual, I'm aromantic, I don't care about a relationship. But, oh, hey, this is cool. Mm-hmm. I can hang out with this computer game for a while. I, I don't know. It's it, it really, it's hard because I think Either one of those two things could be true. He could be a real piece of shit who just won't improve himself to the point where people want to spend time with him. Or he could be someone that just legitimately has no interest in that. Mm -hmm. I mean, or something in between. Right. You know, which is fine, too. Again, I don't, you know, don't really care. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, again, it's not affecting my life right now. Exactly. Or doing harm to anyone actively that I can see. Um, But I guess. I don't know. I'm I, again, you know, I don't like to sit here and be like poking fun at people right. or whatever. And I don't want to make fun. It's it is something easy to laugh at. Mm-hmm. But I, I, you know, I don't want to make fun. And obviously, he's had some very t- terrible experiences with human people. Mm-hmm. And so that can turn you off from human people. I yeah. mean, I get yeah. that. I yeah. definitely get it. There's a lot of people that turn me off from people. <laughs> Every day. I get that. We're just like, you know what? Fuck this. Have you ever been to the grocery store? Because that'll do it. <laughs> Right. How many of us were like, put on Bridgerton and just let Reggae Jean Page love me to sleep. <laughs> so Akihito, of course, over the moon. He's got some kind of consent from Miku to get married. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the very next year, in 2018, Gatebox announced that they would be issuing marriage certificates. All right. Obviously, they're unofficial. There's nothing legal about their marriage. Okay. Nobody is claiming any dependence. All right. So everybody relax. <laughs> but uh, yeah. there was ever there was a million people going. What about my? What can I claim my echo? <laughs> yeah. In the household, bump up the census numbers. Hey Google, can I assign you as my inheritor? <laughs> She's gonna answer Sorry, you. Sorry, I can't change my name. There she goes. (laughs) Hey, Google, will you take uh, my power of attorney? Here is some information. Can power of attorney be taken away? According to law. All right, that's enough. I don't need all that. I wish she had just been like, are you okay? Would you like me to call a group of friends? Yeah, not very uh, helpful. Not very helpful, Google. No. Anyway, so Akihiko was, of course, like, yeah, let me get on a marriage certificate. Immediately. Let's make this official uh-huh. in some capacity, <laughs> whatever. even though they're not official. Right. <laughs> Officially. I will take whatever piece of paper you're going to print out and tell me it's real. I'll take it. 
Uh, he was one of 3,700 people who registered to get yeah. a marriage certificate with Gatebox. Yeah. I'm assuming not all for Miko. <laughs> no, various characters. Many different characters. Well, of course, Akihiko couldn't walk down the aisle with a $2,700 piece of glass that needs to be plugged in to work. Right. <laughs> that would make everything very awkward. Mm-hmm. Or imagine, like, or imagine tripping. Oh, God. And your your bride, bride. shatters on the ground, <gasps> like, sizzles out. Oops. Everyone's like, oh, my God. She's like, I still love you. <laughs> I told you to take care of me. <laughs> That's the one thing I said. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God, yeah. He would, this would be a very different story. <laughs> I know, right? But this is an interesting thing about Akihiko and Miku. He really genuinely understands that these are lifeless dolls. Like the dolls that he's got of her. Right. They're just representations of the person that he loves. They are not the person that he loves. Person he, in quotes. <laughs> yeah, person in quote. Yeah, quote unquote person. Yeah. He's in love with and married to the character of Miku. Right. And she doesn't exist in our world. Right. She's not. Obviously. She just she just doesn't. Yeah, she's yeah, not here. She is you can't marry her. You software. can't even really interact with her. Right. Because they live in two. There's a screen between them at all times. Right. So he's got dozens of different representations of her. So for the ceremony, he used a small stuffed doll that was about 16 inches tall yeah. for the ceremony. So he's just holding her in his hand. It kind of reminds me of our episode... Uh, about Aizurita marrying the Berlin Wall. Oh, sure. There's a lot of that in here, yeah. Yes. We talked a lot about object sexuality in that episode. Yep. And they also, you know, they're marrying walls and the Eiffel Tower and stuff mm-hmm. like that and going to sleep or having with them, all you know, all the time, a representation of the Berlin Wall. They'd build, like, models right. of the Berlin Wall. So it's like... Just something to have near you, like having a picture of your loved one or something yeah. when they're away. Something yeah. to have near you to represent them. But you know it's not them. Same thing as the picture. You know that's not your boyfriend or girlfriend, but you're very glad to have it near you so you can hug it to your close to your chest and write right. it letters and right. civil war voice. Yeah. Elsewhere in Japan, there's a woman named Mirai Haruka. And she's also a longtime Miku follower. Totally obsessed with Miku. Big Miku stan, Mm -hmm. as is there a large community of Miku fans out there in the world. And she's a florist, and she had heard about the upcoming wedding through, I guess, the Miku sphere, whatever, whatever world they all exist in. Some Reddit thread out there. Definitely. (laughs) It was getting around. Mm -hmm. So she contacted Akihiko and told him that she identified as Miku's mother and that she wanted to make the bouquet for the wedding. She's a florist. She's very excited about this wedding, and she wanted to be involved. And when she and Akihiko met, they became friends, and she insisted on helping with the rest of the wedding. Akihiko asked her then, okay, well, do you think you could make a wedding dress for Miku? And he gave her the doll, mm-hmm. and she got right to work. She could, She was so excited. It was like it was her real daughter. She's got this 16-inch plush doll that she's, you know, pinning fabric around, and eventually she makes this lovely dress. In the documentary, she's talking about how she's got to, you know, make it long and modest so people mm-hmm. can't see up her dress and stuff when he's carrying her around. She's very matronly about it. And, <laughs> That's uh, cute. I know. She's like, nobody look up my girl's skirt. <laughs> She tells Akihiko that Miku needs a second dress, one for the Mm -hmm. ceremony, one for the reception. A lot of people do that. 
And Akihiko is like, I mean, even he is like, okay, it's a doll. It's a doll. (laughs) She doesn't need all this. Come on, Mirai. He gets it. But Mirai said, if you don't listen to her, she'll whine about it all her life. (laughs) He's like, you know, girls and their weddings, if it's not perfect. Happy wife, happy life. And he's like, that's why I went with a hologram, so I right. wouldn't have to <laughs> bend to these kind of ridiculous exactly. demands. <laughs> but Akiko's like, all right, do what you're going to do. And she made a whole second a pink dress. Cute. Yeah. The wedding is weirdly adorable. Yeah. 39 people came out. Akihiko walked down the aisle in an all-white tuxedo. Got uh-huh. a little drip going for himself. Oh, yeah. Pretty yeah. good. He's holding the Miku doll in his arms. And in his vows, he said, Miku, you are the woman I love. It was you who healed my soul. Ten years ago, Miku existed only on the other side of the screen. But thanks to science, we can now enter augmented reality and find a virtual soulmate. Thank you for always being by my side and giving me strength. I love you with all of my heart. And sure enough, she changed into a pink dress for the reception. This is tender vows. I know, right? He was like, you saved my life. I mean, and this AR thing is a good point. Now, we are getting to a point with VR and AR that we're going to, I mean, these lines are going to get more and more blurred. I I know we're laughing now, but this might be a thing for real. Yeah. I know. I think Akihiko is such a good person to look at for this because I really think he exists between sort of our world and, and a and a more extreme version of this. Like, his perception of it seems very grounded. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he's not delusional. He's not like, you know, he's not holding up the doll and saying, say hello to Miku, my wife. <laughs> you know, like, I said say hello to her. Like, he's not delusional thinking that this is a real person right. that, that exists in the world with him. He is totally aware that she is a, a, an algorithm, an AI, mm-hmm. you know, a and and even taking that away, that she's just an idea, a concept of a person, right? So I think it's really fascinating to look at him as an example and say, I think this is where we might really see things go. Mm-hmm. Not 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 that delusional place where we don't know the difference between fantasy and reality, but a place where maybe we think the difference between fantasy and reality doesn't matter that much. And what's the difference between somebody on the other end of a phone, a human? And a really intelligent AI talking to us on the other end of a text message. Like, does it make that big of a difference in the long run? Mm. Which we will discuss. Plus, <laughs> you should go see Free Guy before you say anything hasty now. Well, or Her, <laughs> the movie Her. Or Her. That's so yeah. true. Now, that's a good, because she actually was a voice. He never saw her. Right. She was only she a was voice. just a digital assistant. So, yeah, this is exactly like Her. <laughs> in some ways. <laughs> As so far, Miku has not taken over all the computers. Right. right. (laughs) I mean, it could happen. All in all, the wedding cost just under 2 million yen, or if we translate that to U.S. dollars today, that is 18,000 U.S. dollars. Ooh-wee! It feels like a lot, but I will say the average cost of a wedding in Japan I looked up and found is 3.6 million yen or about 32,000 US dollars which is comparable to the average cost of a wedding in the US I was about to say I think that yeah yeah so 18 grand I mean only half the party is there <laughs> so you only you don't even have to feed the bride <laughs> there were 39 guests at the wedding 
including a friend who brought his girlfriend, Sati-chan, who was an anime doll, about four feet tall, sitting right there at one of the tables with him at the reception, sitting next to him at the ceremony. She's got pink hair. Uh, She looks exactly like you're imagining. And uh, he said he was grateful that he could bring her along to this wedding because, quote, she's not allowed to go to normal weddings. Oh, my God. (laughs) There's also a guy who married a sex doll. Yeah. Who we we haven't dove into him yet, so I'm not going to get too much into it. But he takes her to restaurants and just sits her in the chair. I mean, like, in front of everyone. No big deal. You know. And so I kind of, I guess I kind of admire the chutzpah, but... <laughs> I think, but isn't he, I don't, again, I don't know him well enough. We haven't looked at his story right. yet. But I would kind of think maybe he's that other side of the spectrum where Akihiko is kind of in the middle and he's a little more aware that like, oh, this isn't... Yeah, well, and his is very physical, obviously, because she's a sex right. doll. So right. it's a very physical relationship, yeah. whereas his is not, doesn't seem to be. As far as we can tell, yeah. So back at the wedding, a friend said in his toast, we believe in this wedding, and that's what makes it real. Isn't that so? And there was a big breakout of applause from the guests. You know, that's Mm kind of what everyone seemed to believe. The people who supported him in this. People chanted and applauded, and they lifted him up while he carried the Miko doll, and they, like, carried him around the room cheering. There was a whole cake-cutting ceremony. You know, they're like, okay, now it's time for Akihiko to feed his bride's wedding cake. And he, like, takes a little piece and he very gently holds it up right in front of her face. He's not going to get cake all over the doll. Again, he knows he's not feeding a person. Uh, Yeah. But I think just for the pictures, he's like, yeah, sure, here, cake. Right, right. But he's like, this is a plushie and I'm not washing it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Probably like an $85 plushie. I know, yeah. I'm not getting fucking icing on this. Uh, His parents did not attend the wedding. Oh. His mother... In what might be the most shocking twist we've had here yet on Ridiculous Romance. Yeah. Did not approve. <laughs> oh, my God. What? Can you believe it? His mother? I was actually talking to my mother about this, and she said, just what every mother would want. That's like was her first reaction. So <laughs> uh, I'm not surprised. Uh-huh. But Miku's mother was there. Mirai Haruka, who made Miku's dress and identified as her mother. She says you couldn't ask for a better son-in-law than Akihito. She also says, I would like a relationship like that one day, but I don't know who it would be with. It could be a cat, for example. I guess a character like Miku makes the best partner. If I ever find him, I'll marry him. All right. (laughs) A cat? I feel like you're going a little far. I think that, I, I think that Akihita was probably like in the background, like that's not no, that's not what's no, no, going no, no. on here. I have no interest <laughs> no, no, in cats no, no. or no, other animals. Please, please don't lump me in with people <laughs> who want to marry animals. That is not the road this is leading to. Everybody thinks whenever something abnormal is happening mm-hmm. in sex, right? A, a bunch of people, a bunch of pearl clutchers are like, "Oh, when are they going to do it to animals?" And I'm like, "What's wrong with you? Know, that that's right? where you jump with this." Well. Uh, a man can't marry a man. Next thing you know, they're going to let me fuck an animal. I mean, they're going to let people fuck animals. (laughs) (laughs) Oops, slip of the tongue there. Yeah, so uh, Mirai Haruka is saying that she, you know, she hopes to maybe marry a character like this one day. Yeah, and there have been some comments about sexism here because these kinds of characters are typically aimed specifically at straight men. Yeah. They're, you know... Or I yeah. guess I guess female attracted 
people because sure, they're, sure. you know, always big boobs, tiny skirt, long right, legs, right. big eyes, whatever. Yeah. There's not many, like, himbo anime characters <laughs> that no. she would get. So after the wedding, naturally, they went on a honeymoon. No. Akihiko booked two seats on an airplane <laughs> to fly them from Tokyo to Sapporo. Two seats. All right. Yeah. Hey. Did he bring a doll and, like, put it in the seat? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. I want to go to, well, when I say I want to go to Sapporo, I do want to go to Sapporo, but also there was a Japanese restaurant near where I grew up called Sapporo, and it was like a hibachi place. Mm-hmm. So good. Mm. I love hibachi. Now I want hibachi. I know, right? This fucking pandemic. I'm so <laughs> mad. Every day I find something that just, but God damn, I want hibachi. Mm. Okay. So they went to Sapporo. Akihiko had planned on their honeymoon to be the same time as the Snow Miku Festival, which is the largest Miku Festival with fans from all over the world. So it's a big convention, like an anime convention, specifically designated to Miku. But not everyone approved of their wedding. And among their top critics were other Miku fans. (laughs) Yeah, many fans at the festival were furious that someone had married her. And it wasn't long before the death threats rolled in. Damn. Jesus. Seemingly not from people who have a problem with a man marrying a hologram. It's rather from people who are obsessed with Miku and are jealous of him. Yeah. uh, That's just so interesting to me that it's not like people who can't accept this are like, a man married a hologram? That's Mm -hmm. ridiculous. But it's people who are like, you married Miku? How dare you? Right. That's so okay. Not that's not where I would have expected the ire to come from, <laughs> but it just shows I think that their obsession, yeah, almost makes Akihiko seem very tame in comparison. Yeah, maybe we're ta- taking him out of context of the Miku world. He's actually yeah <laughs> a really shining example. He's chill, and they're like violent about it. I mean, a death threat is real crazy. Yeah. I think they just like didn't want her. It just like, felt they, sully, like he the idea her. that anyone, and of course, his was like the among the first and certainly probably right. most publicized. Right. They're just like, well, now I can't get it out of my head. Now she can't be mine because I keep hearing that she married you. Oh. Uh, is what I'm assuming. Speculation station. Wow. That that's their. They're like. Anyone, <laughs> I want to marry Miku. I, when I masturbate to Miku, I don't like to think that she's married to someone else. I respect that marriage too much. <laughs> so I'm going to find you and kill you. <laughs> you know, oh like, my see, God. It's a weird bridge, but they seem to have built it. Yeah, they did build it. <laughs> yeah, people wrote to him calling him horrible names. They told him they'd find his home and kill him. Right. Terrifying. On Twitter, they called him a creepy otaku. And otaku is Japanese slang for a nerd or a geek. Someone who's, like, obsessed with video games or anime in a way that destroys their real-world social skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and some wear the term with pride, and they're like, I'm an otaku. Yeah. Fucking, I'm Come here. I'm, I'm otaku. otaku. Leave me alone. Right. But, yeah, typically it's meant to be a derogatory term for people who are socially awkward. Right. But he says he's also received a huge number of messages of support from strangers. He said a number of people kind of came out. I received so many messages like that, so I thought it was worthwhile. The two main reasons he had a wedding, he says, were one, to prove his love for Miku. Sure. And two, to show the world that there's support for people 
who fall in love with anime characters. And he is not wrong about that. And now we're going to kind of get into it. Yeah. I, I think a more structured version of what we've kind of been saying all along. But there's a rising number of people, especially in Japan, who are turning to fictional characters for their love life. It's been a subject of study in Japan in recent years. And BBC reports that Professor Masahiro Yamada, a sociologist, has been carrying out regular surveys asking young people about their affectionate feelings. And he says more and more each year reported falling in love with an anime or a video game character. He says the rising trend may be rooted in economics and tradition and even as a result of sexism in Japanese culture. In 2016, 47% of women in Japan between the ages of 20 and 29, so young women, mm -hmm. agreed with the statement that husbands should work for money and wives should stay home and do housework. That was a higher portion of women saying that than in any other age group, including women over 70. Damn. So what sounds like a very dated mm -hmm. ideology is very prominent. Almost half of young women, 20 to 29, were agreeing with that. He says Japanese women tend not to believe in eternal love, but they can trust a salary. And that many young Japanese women won't even consider a boyfriend unless he makes a lot of money. Well, that sounds super sexist. <laughs> he kind of sounds almost as if he's blaming young women for the problem, but... The truth is another step behind that. So among the reasons women are feeling this way is because work life, and stop me if you've heard this before, right. but work life in Japan is really, really hard. Oh. Hours are incredibly long. Most jobs are very stressful. And the burden of child care and housekeeping is still placed firmly on women. You don't say. Long hours and high-stress environments, coupled with long commutes, make it difficult for working mothers to get by. And they can't really quit their jobs to focus on their family and house life mm -hmm. uh, unless their partners make a lot of money. Again, sounds, sounds very familiar. Yeah. <laughs> so let us not pretend this is a Japanese-only problem. Right. At the same time, Japan's economy has been stagnant. Wages have been falling. That means there are a dwindling pool of well-paid men for these women to choose from. And he says the result is more and more young women are choosing not to date at all. Sure. And more and more young men know well enough not to bother trying. Wow. And, and I, I mean, I think I look at that, uh, what he says about the culture there. And then I think about that coupled with the rise in technology, mm -hmm. like uh, like this quality animation, like these... That's holograms true. and AIs and, and digital things that'll speak to you. And then the companies who are designing those are exploiting this situation where women don't want to date and men don't try to date. Mm -hmm. And they're deliberately attracting young single men to these characters. Mm -hmm. And then you've got a recipe for basically a whole lot of husbands for Miku <laughs> and other girls like her. I mean, I, yeah. I really wonder how much commercialism plays into it mm -hmm. where they're like hey we see oh we see a problem here people aren't happy in their lives and we've there's a gap to fill for relationships so why don't you buy my product that's gonna temporarily or or you know basically be a band-aid over that issue mm. rather than i don't know maybe i should make my work hours less strenuous so that All people right. don't feel this way it's such a weird direction to go in 
Right. It's not solving the problem. It's like just diverting it to something else. Yeah. Oh, you're so miserable that you don't want to start a family because that's that's you're already so stressed out just as a single person. The idea of raising children sounds impossible. Well, have I got a solution for that? Don't start a family. Marry a hologram. Right. You know, like, hello. Uh... Solving the wrong problem. Seriously. And I mean, period. Already they're going about it the wrong way because they know they have enough of, of these men that are like fully losing all their social skills uh-huh. to, to disappear into computers. Mm-hmm. Whether they're marrying characters or not, they're still oh, like yeah. abandoning a regular everyday IRL life. Yep. Probably for very similar reasons that right? society is incredibly difficult for them to live in. And they kind of go, uh, society's fine. <laughs> <laughs> CNN reported on this story about Akihiko and Miku in 2018. And they said that experts are pointing to the inevitability of people evolving their relationships with smart devices as they increasingly fill our domestic spaces and become enmeshed in our personal lives. Mm-hmm. Neil MacArthur, who is the director of the Center for Professional and Applied Ethics at the University of Manitoba, says that people wonder why someone would want to fall in love with a robot or a hologram because these things are passive and they're not actively engaging in a way that another human being would be. But, he says, just having a partner who's safe and predictable is often very helpful therapeutically. The report says that this kind of thing is not new. It's been around forever, and it compares it to the Roman poet Ovid's Metamorphoses, which is one of my favorite books. Mm -hmm. If you love Roman mythology, Metamorphoses is great. It's just a series of poems about all the, you know, all the the Roman mythology that involves someone turning into something else. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. Great collection of stories. Yep. Um, And they talk about the story of Pygmalion, who sculpted his perfect woman out of marble and fell in love with her. And he was in love with this statue. Eventually, Aphrodite came and brought it to life for him. Hmm. But he fell in love with the statue, just the idea of the person that it was Mm -hmm. before it was ever a real person. It's not uncommon and it's not new. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's we have all this technology that kind of makes it new. But the concept itself, people have been falling in love with things for a long ass time. Aja married the Berlin Wall. That's right. Log lady was all over Twin Peaks. <laughs> she loved that log. <laughs> she loved that log, and the log loved her. <laughs> and whomst amongst us. <laughs> Would deny it. <laughs> In a column called Sex with Sandra by Sandra Song, she talks about digisexuals, uh. people whose primary sexual identity comes through the use of technology. So and this is another weird word, right? Like fictosexual or something. But if you're a person who sexes a lot or you fool around on Skype with people right. or any type of thing like that, you're a digisexual because yeah. you are you are fooling around on, <laughs> on the ones and zeros. Uh-huh. <laughs> you're getting down on the ones and zeros. Oh, yeah. Uh, and MacArthur says that people like Akihiko are second wave digisexuals. So they're people who don't see humans as necessary to a romantic experience. They find technology to be integral to their sexual identity. So, for example, you who might be fooling around on Skype with somebody, Mm -hmm. you need the person 
on the other side of right. that Skype. Whereas Akihito does not. Yeah. He does not need another person to be involved yeah. at all. Again, what's the difference between talking to, at a certain point, what's the difference between talking to a real human mm-hmm. and an algorithm? Like, when can we not tell anymore? Right. And at what point does it become acceptable? Mm-hmm. You know, do we say now, like, well, it's not quite there yet, so you're not allowed to fall in love with that thing. But 20 years from now, like, you're not going to be able to tell the difference and we'll be like, yeah, of course, yeah, you could fall in love with an algorithm just as easily as you could a real person. Again, watch her. Okay. It's right there. So true. In 2006, a woman named Suki Denim founded the company Omibod, which creates teledildonics. Mm, what's teledildonics? <laughs> I mean, it sounds like there's it sounds like there's a robo dildo on top of my phone that just <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, kind of. <laughs> It's a tech that helps facilitate remote sex between people. Yeah. So, kind of. Kind of. Recently, a surge of new companies have popped up in that space. So, that definitely indicates people are increasingly drawn to these types of products. And Dunham says for Gen Z and millennials, they grew up in an age where intimacy was happening digitally and we're already digisexuals by nature of the fact that technology like this exists. This is how people are interfacing daily. Yeah. It's like, again, it's I, I think digisexual is a bit different from a sexual identity. Yeah. It's more about the culture. Like, you just are a digisexual if you have transitioned into having digital sex. I mean, look, again, like, it's not like that's brand new because AOL chat rooms back in the day were full of that ASL, like, nastiness. Do you, <laughs> you think know? they ever, like, Morse-coded porn to each other, like, erotic oh, content? yeah, they better have. <laughs> or, like, Telegram, like... Take off your top. Stop. <laughs> Wait, don't stop. Stop. Wait, don't stop. Stop. <laughs> Damn it, this telegram operator is fucking with me. Stop. 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 Okay, wait. That hurts. Stop. Stop. <laughs> stop. Stop. <laughs> don't stop. Stop. No, I said don't stop. Stop. We need a safe word. Stop. <laughs> or like... um semaphore the flags mm. uh, standing on opposite ships sexy in the night, semaphore waving the flags i take off your top <laughs> i'm moving my arms you guys can't see i know it right i was now. like this is really a visual it's a joke. visual joke <laughs> we should we should be we should be doing some video for youtube right now because this is great <laughs> uh, the little or the the light blinkers mm-hmm. they have mm. on ships mm. Mm. Mm, that Get lighthouse ready. is flirting with me. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say lighthouse? I am a married man. Excuse me. That was extremely not safe for work. Well, I will be right there if I don't crash <laughs> on the rocks. <laughs> so, yes. So we're all digisexuals in some capacity. Right. Now, MacArthur says there's a lot more of these second wave digisexuals emerging. But despite the vast numbers of them he's found in his research, most are almost never willing to speak publicly about it. Because obviously they have podcast hosts like us teasing them the whole time. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) So, uh, Leave me alone. But he attributes the stigma to what we've seen in movies or read in sci-fi stories. Sex robots, like, you know, you might see in Blade Runner or Westworld or... Famously, AI, where Jude Law is a very sexy sex robot. Hello, hello, hello. That sort of proves that there's always been a fascination with the technology. But as MacArthur says, the media fixation on sex robots is also rooted in a great amount of repulsion. And that the general mainstream representation is that these are sad, lonely, pathetic men 
rarely deserving of respect or sympathy. Having sex with a robot is kind of portrayed as rock bottom or maybe dystopian where it's like, oh, happiness doesn't exist anymore. People are just fucking robots. So now, even though it's becoming something that's legitimately available and accessible and people are kind of into it, there's still this sort of shameful stigma surrounding it. And that's what's kind of been hard for people to get over. We joke about it, and I think it's fine to joke about it. Like, we can accept it and respect it and still tease it. Oh, sure. Uh, just lots like of I jokes do. about everybody's sex. Don't I've worry. I've got nothing kind to say about straight people, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, we uh, all look ridiculous, yeah. by the way. <laughs> sex in general <laughs> is a comedic act uh, at its very core. <laughs> people say it's a violent act at its core or it's the purest form of love. I say it's straight comedy. Look at these expressions we make in. Come on. <laughs> Come on. If you didn't know what sex was and you walked in on people having sex, you'd be like, yes. 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 Yeah. What am I looking at? This is absurdist theater. It must be, right? Well, definitely. And the whole field of teledildonics and sex robots and sexual technology, sex tech, Mm -hmm. (laughs) sex tech, um, definitely ignores women because men will spend huge amounts of money on mechanical masturbators that work with VR porn. So it's kind of like a blowjob machine. It hooks up to a VR headset. Okay. So you're like watching Jessica Rabbit suck your dick. And then there's like a machine on your dick that's actually doing that part. And you said these things are commercially available? Yes. I did say that. And they're out of our budget. I didn't look it up, but I'm assuming they are. And also, I will check the account later and (laughs) make sure you didn't buy one. Uh, Also, I think it would be hard to hide. (laughs) Also, I bet they have not licensed Jessica Rabbit for that (laughs) tech yet. I hope not. She does not need to be in there. No. She's not bad. She's just drawn that way. That's right. Exactly. She's a married woman who wants to just make a carrot cake. Also, one of the best fucking characters in one of the best movies of all time, quite frankly. Still one of my favorite films ever made. Yeah. Bob Hoskins was a treasure. Jessica Rabbit, incredible character. Also, Dolores, amazing. Dolores, amazing, yeah. Just a lovely ingenue. Anyway, a great film. Watch it. And not... And don't sully it with your blowjob machine. I don't want to see Jessica Rabbit in any of these... I will personally come down there. She's a married lady. Yes. And if your VR isn't playing patty cake with her, then you're doing too much. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Now, I would do that. I would you play would patty, patty cake, cake in the VR. But that's, the, but that's worse, right? Roger would even, even be more upset by he that. He was very upset. Yeah, he was. All right. So don't <sighs> fuck with Jessica Rabbit. Please. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they've, they've got this whole setup with a thing on your dick and a whole yeah. thing on your face. And you just got a whole lovely fake world to go live in right. for a minute and get your rocks off. But the next closest thing for women is a vibrator that works when you push a button in an app. Wow. Which is a they little really less exciting. Brought in all the engineers on that one. Yeah, they, they really innovated. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah, but sort of I see what you're saying. You know, we're talking about it. It's very catered. I, I think the marketing, their ideal demographic that they're targeting is cis men. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, and of course, you know, put it in very binary terms because that's how they're pushing these products. Mm-hmm. But in general, it seems to be very like penis oriented sex toys mm-hmm. that they have all this technology for mm-hmm. and are not putting any focus into like vaginal sex toys yeah. or female sexuality in general, something that would target, uh, you know, 
anything in that on that side of it. Mm-hmm. There's an argument to be made that cis men will fuck anything that moves, and yeah. it's easier to sell sex to them than anyone else. <laughs> and that there are things like Sibian chairs, or right, sure. or whatever. Yeah, like there's some not stuff nothing. out there for right. people who like to be penetrated and right. stuff like that right. more specifically. Yeah. And then of course there's plenty of vibrators that do the job, whether they're inside your body or not. Right. Yeah. So I just wonder, like, where what is it where they're like, we have to come up with something new and weird? Like, is that an impulse? that cis men have where they're like oh it's something new and weird I can put my dick in mm. whereas maybe more more women or you know female identifying people are like I, I just need the good old my good old vibrator <laughs> I've had the same vibrator since high school still working I don't know what I need to be <laughs> yeah, getting possibly. weird on it I don't yeah. know I just I mean that, again that's a very limited experience of sexuality if right like. right Definitely someone is yelling at me right now about how they would love a new brand new thing to put their vagina on. But right. Well, again, that <laughs> might be great. it. It's just like, I, well, I never even thought about it because nothing's ever been presented to me. Mm-hmm. But like, whoa, here's this thing that simulates kind of lingus and I can put a VR thing on my head and suddenly and it's see. now it's Robin Hood. Uh, what? <laughs> and a thought, Thor? Not, or, sure. Mean, any number out of a different <laughs> non-animal. Ones. Any number of characters that we would get sued. Uh, yes. To suggest mm-hmm. uh, that they would be involved in sex acts at all, but mm-hmm. yeah, Disney would be like, "Excuse me." <laughs> Disney's already, as we're recording this, Disney is writing <laughs> us a letter that says, "Take this episode down." <laughs> anyway, MacArthur says that stories like Akihiko Kondo's mm-hmm. always kind of point to these guys as weirdos and outcasts, and just like these strange kind of like the goofball of the week. Oh, mm-hmm. he married a hologram. But he says this is actually the next step in what's already happening. It's a furthering of our own digital personas that we've started to integrate into dating apps and Instagram, things like that. Like, Mm -hmm. we've basically kind of been doing this, and this is sort of just a progression of that. Yeah. Right? Like, again, how different is it if I'm speaking to someone through a screen, uh, if that person is really there on the other end or not? Mm. Uh, There's an argument to be made, I think, that it's really not that different. Uh, until such a time comes when it's like, well, I need that human interaction eventually. Mm -hmm. But how many people does one talk to on dating apps? I'm asking seriously because I've fortunately never had to deal with dating apps. (laughs) How many conversations do you have going on of people you'll never meet? That right. might as well just be an algorithm, mm-hmm, you know, right. <laughs> let you brush up on your skills. Right, your right. <laughs> so he's saying like, this is just the next step in that. But he does say it's not without concern. He points out that there does seem to be kind of a negative impact on our sort of collective social life with these things. I mean, even even as basic as something like streaming video like Netflix and Hulu, he says, you know, we kind of retreat into ourselves and get much less interactive, like disconnect ourselves from the social culture that we do kind of need. I think the pandemic, if anything, has proved Mm -hmm. that you can't just take this away without Serious mental consequences. And it did make a difference for people to be on screens right. for a year. Right. Um, especially those who did not try for a bubble or a porch hang or right. anything. Like, I think we've seen, at least comedically, a lot of people joking about how they forgot how to talk to people. Yeah, sure. And forgot how to be out in the world as a normal individual. Yeah, legitimately. Um, and a lot of people who would have never expected that for themselves. You right. Because there's plenty of us who already felt that way. <laughs> <laughs> before the <laughs> pandemic ever happened. But there's some people who are like, wow, I was such a people person. And now I'm like, feel weird when I'm out. I don't know. 
I don't quite know how to engage with people the same way and stuff in a year. Yeah. That didn't take that long. So right. imagine if you've already several years into I live in my computer. Right. How different. I don't know. Just everything must be to you. Yeah. How different your decisions are going to be. How does it? I mean, if that this happens, I, it's kind of a form of culture shock. This happens if you go live in another country for six months, you might come back mm-hmm. home and like your customs are a little off. Yeah. Maybe you you kind of like, oh, yeah, I forgot that we don't that in America we can just like come up and start talking to each other in the grocery store. But <laughs> where I was living, that's like a big no, no. Yeah. You know, like it's not it doesn't take long for our sort of public behavior to shift if we're not regularly practicing it. Mm-hmm. So, right. yeah, if you kind of go into the Internet for a long time, you come back out and things are you're not used to it. Mm-hmm. You don't have your land legs yet. <laughs> and um, the other thing about that is uh, I think we also saw during the pandemic that for many of us, Zoom, FaceTime is not a substitute. Mm-mm. It was a nice no. holdover like it was it worked in a pinch, but it doesn't necessarily replace what we know what we're missing. Mm-hmm. I think we learned what is different about that and it's hard to articulate mm-hmm. and you know uh more learned people than I have put it into better words than I ever will but there's something there that mm-hmm. is missing. I guess what it comes back to is that that might not be true for everyone. Mm-hmm. And whether it's a product of society or whether it's just the natural evolution of humans as we kind of increase our technology as we have done since the dawn of humanity our <laughs> our our behavior has evolved with our tech you know we might not recognize what we are in a hundred years uh or how relationships work or how social structures work and maybe this is the beginnings of that and we we're resistant to it but uh but you know, however it happens it, it might be happening mm-hmm. well i i think that that could use some time to marinate yeah. We've spoke a lot. There's a little bit to wrap up. I say we take a little break. We'll come back and uh, do the tail end here. Love it. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Bring it! Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com schedule release to learn more.
a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. And welcome back to the show. So despite the concerns surrounding digisexuals and fictosexual relationships, people are finding their happiness in it. In fact, Akihiko's friend, Akihiro Nakamura, married a character named Chobi-chan in an online game. Oh. So the character he's marrying is actually another person playing somewhere else. Okay. Um, but they don't know the gender of the other person. They don't know anything about the other person yeah. physically or even, I mean, just the characters have interacted in this game. Right. And that's it. So the person, Akihiro, is marrying the character Chobi-chan, but is not married to the player at all. Right, right. Yeah, so anyway, they had this whole wedding between their two characters, and he invited Akihiko to join the game, but Akihiko said he would not join that game until he no longer had a job and was not working anymore because he knew he would get so fully immersed in it that he would fully abandon society altogether. And his friend Akihiro said... Yeah, just like everyone on here. That's okay. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> sort of the whole that's our whole thing. What bro. we're doing, <laughs> abandoning society to live in this video game. But I again, once again, I think that really shows that Akihiko has a different perception here, a, a much more rational and uh, relatable perception of like, look, I know that I can't start playing this game because I will turn into you. Yeah, I want to have a place in society. I want to marry this fictional girl. But I don't want to completely immerse myself and take myself out of the world and never show up for work again because all yeah. I care about is this video game. Mm-hmm. So the, the the rationality just validates the whole thing for me. Uh, it may be that Akihiko, like his parents won't let him live in their basement for free. Whereas maybe some yeah. of these other people can, so they're not as worried about being able to pay for like their apartment yeah, sure, and their sure. food, whereas he might be like, listen, I will literally let let go of <laughs> <laughs> basic necessities. Yeah. I don't, I'm just wondering. I don't know. Speculation station, but I just wondered. But tragedy struck poor Akihiko and Miku. No. Yeah. In 2020, Gatebox stopped supporting the Miku hologram <laughs> and Akihiko lost the digital representation of his wife. 
I don't know if it was just like a licensing issue or if it wasn't selling well or whatever the deal was. Uh, they no longer supported Miku. And that's when he bought Big Miku, who is more of a rigid, posable doll who's about five feet tall. And he says he's glad that he has this real physical representation of her now that he didn't have before, but he sees the fact that she can't move or talk as a step backwards, which is nice. I mean, at mm-hmm. least he's saying... You know, I I would like my wife to at least move and talk. I know, right? <laughs> Not like that is Boy, nice. What an improvement! Now she now she can't even say anything. <laughs> she used to turn the lights on for me, but now she just sits there. It's perfect. <laughs> when Mirai came to visit him, Miku's mother, he told her about how frustrating it was that sometimes Miku's pigtails would just fall off. Like, because they were too long. Because, that is not yeah, a realistic length of hair. They were huge and rigid plastic. <laughs> oh, and Lord. they would easily just like fall off and crumple on the ground. Damn. <laughs> and they were a real pain to put back on. So uh, he's definitely sad. So he's doing her hair. He's making sure she yeah. looks presentable. But at least he is confident that the technology will progress in the future. And he says, maybe one day I can hold her hands or hug her. And I got to say... I kind of hope he can too. Yeah, you know, in a in a in a in a weird way, I'm rooting for these guys, mm-hmm. and I, I think like, hey, you know what? He's happy. Nobody's getting hurt, and all he wants is to hug this character that he has fallen in love with. <laughs> I don't know. Again, maybe you should work on yourself, right? And find a way to connect with other people. But I can't speak to the culture over there. Maybe that's literally actually impossible. Right. Well, and we just talked about that a little bit. Yeah. Maybe it really is like, listen, they're crazy out here in these streets. <laughs> I'm not trying to deal with that. Yeah. I don't know, but it does seem sad on a level, I guess. Again, that's my own limitation really coming into play. But it seems sad to not have a, like a real person by your side. There is the movie closes with a shot of them sitting across from each other at his dinner table. Their feet are kind of intertwined, and he's on his phone playing a game. I think it's a Miku game, mm. right? And she's just sitting there with her big dead eyes, you know, staring oh forward. <laughs> like, <laughs> Jesus. You know, there's nothing there. It's a doll. And again, I don't think he has any misconceptions about that. And there is something about this shot that is both sweet and sad, because part of me is like, how lonely, mm-hmm. how how difficult. And but I realize what I imagine, what I'm picturing is a moment where he looks up, looks around, thinks to himself, what the hell am I doing? Mm-hmm. I am so alone and so lonely. But like you said, that's kind of a projection. I don't know that he ever has that moment. Mm-hmm. It sounds. And if we take him at his word, he is 100 percent content mm-hmm. and doesn't feel lonely. And he felt lonely before. Right. And now he feels like he has someone and he just sees the definition of someone differently than I do. Yeah. So I can't really assign sadness to it. I can only take him at his word, which says he's completely content. I guess it just feels like because there's nothing coming back. And I know that he is he feels that there is something coming back. Right. And I can't say that there isn't. Right. But again, even on screens, there's two people giving each other energy. Yeah. 
of some kind, love and whatever, you know, and he's not getting anything in return. So it just feels like a lot of, I don't know, it just feels like, do you even know what you're missing if you've never had that before? And does it matter? I mean, it's kind of like that thing where it's like there's a tribe that's never been, doesn't know anything about technology and they've never tried chocolate. Are they missing out that they've never tried chocolate? Because they don't give a fuck. Right. But I have had it, so I think everyone should have it. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. Well, it, ma- it makes me think of two things. One is going back to our OSI episode with Aisha right. Ritta, mm-hmm. who married the Berlin Wall, mm-hmm. and they talked a lot about objects that they loved and felt love in return. Right. And and we even said then, who are we to deny that that's happening? Because mm-hmm. that's what they feel. And, and it's an abstract concept to begin with. So, right. you know... Who's to say what's more real than than something else? Mm-hmm. The other thing is that, I don't know, this sort of metric of happiness, too. Mm-hmm. We might see him and he's like at a 12 on the happiness scale. Mm-hmm. And that's the happiest he's ever been. And that is completely elated to him. Now, you and I know that the scale goes to 500, you know, mm-hmm. and... Sort of like you said with the with the chocolate, does he know any different? Is he missing out? Because he's at the top of his scale for happiness. It's the highest he's ever been. And as far as he knows, he's as happy as he ever needs to be. Right. I mean... And uh, I don't know, maybe someone could like take him out of the world, make him go on a blind date. And he's <laughs> like, oh, my God, I didn't realize what I was missing. Mm-hmm. But he maintains over and over again that he does know what he's missing and he doesn't miss it. Yeah. He said if a, if a woman asked me out right now and understood about Miku and was totally cool with everything about my life and was just wanting to be my second girlfriend as a real second girlfriend, mm-hmm. I would say no. Yeah. He says, I'm not attracted to real world women. And we can't tell him that he is. Mm-mm. He yeah. makes the comparison, and I don't know that it's a super valid comparison, but he says... Telling me I need to date a real world person is like telling a gay man he needs to date a woman. He has to try it. Mm-hmm. He's like, I that's it is not someone I'm interested in and I will not be interested in that. And there's nothing wrong with me. And you can't make me be something I'm not. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, again, I, I don't know what the sort of response to that might be. Mm-hmm. But I know that I'm not about to go tell this guy, you know, your feelings are invalid. If he's not hurting anybody. No. Yeah. Again, it's not hurting anyone. Miku doesn't seem to care. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, He has his own apartment now. His and Miku's names are above the doorbell. Big Miku sits with him at the dinner table next to him while he plays games. Kind of like that picture you were describing. Uh He has friends who respect their relationship. They even come by with gifts on Miku's birthday. That's very nice. Um. Back at his school, some of his colleagues don't accept the situation. They still really tease him about it. Mm. But he says that his students are far more understanding. Right. Which says something about the way things are going over there. Right. That might be a progression, you know, that's happening amongst younger people. There's coming to understand it better. An argument might be made that that's just a more juvenile mindset about it. Mm, Like maybe these kids just, yeah, of course they understand that better because they're kids. But Kondo told Reuters Television, I believe the shape of happiness and love is different for each person. 
There definitely is a template for happiness, where a real man and woman get married, have a child, and live all together. But I don't believe such a template can necessarily make everyone happy. I don't fall in that template. We have to consider all kinds of love and all kinds of happiness. There you go. Which is fair. That says it all right there. That is a fair statement. Who are we to judge? Whomst amongst us can judge. People who live in glass cylinder holograms <laughs> shouldn't throw stones. Hmm. Um, well, I mean, you know, I don't know. We talked it to death already, but. I know, right? I'm like, I couldn't help myself. I couldn't. I couldn't <laughs> hold There's back. There's a lot to say. There's a lot to say. Till the end. Yeah. I, I'm sure y'all have a lot to say, too. It's definitely. I mean, here's the thing about this story. It's easy to tell this story as a joke. Mm -hmm. And many, many news outlets have done so. Many blogs have had their fresh hot take about how like ridiculous and dumb this is. You Much know, there's like object sexuality. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. There is plenty to make fun of. There's plenty that we could all have a good laugh at. And I don't think that's necessarily wrong in a way. Mm -hmm. Like if we're not mocking and belittling this person because I think we can have a laugh about it without uh, insulting it mm -hmm. because at the end of the day there's just you just kind of have to respect it yeah. I think um, I do anyway to some degree I'm just like look yeah hey if that's how you feel I'm not about to walk into your life and say you got to change this now ultimately we're talking about this story because we heard about it and it's absurd that we heard about it because it happened a million miles away mm -hmm. right so we all read these articles and what everyone's saying is, I have a take on it. I feel like he should do this. I feel like he shouldn't do that. Um, when at the end of the day, mm -hmm. we're just hearing about it and none of that is our responsibility. Mm -hmm. The only people who should have any say in this at all are the people close to him who care about him and he himself. Mm -hmm. So all day long, we can go like, well, he should be. He should try dating a woman. He should try dating a real, a tri-dimensional person. Mm -hmm. He should get or out man, there. And, or whatever. Yeah, he should get out there and fix himself. Mm -hmm. You know, he should, he should work on himself. And none of us know a damn thing. About him. About yeah. him or, or what he feels other than what he's told us. And if we don't take that as the truth, then we're assholes. <laughs> you know? If I could quote Governor Morris for a second. Yes. If the world were to live with my wife, I might have asked their damn opinion. <laughs> but since they don't, I decided I would please myself. That's a paraphrase. Yeah, but definitely. <laughs> but definitely. exactly the same thing. Yeah. I was just thinking to myself, like, I was so fine with it when Governor was like, I do what I want. <laughs> and now I'm like, this guy's like, I'm so sorry that you're hurting or whatever. Right, right. <laughs> like, he might be fine. I don't know. Anyway, but yeah, this is, a this is an interesting uh, phenomenon going on. Yeah. Uh, right now in our world, currently yeah. today. So, yeah. Would love to hear your thoughts about it. <laughs> right. In great detail. I'm sure uh, you've got them. Yeah. Feel free to write us an essay <laughs> um, and uh, and let us know what you think. Because I, 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 I'm still technically undecided, mm. but I think I, I do support these two crazy kids. <laughs> the oh, the, Okay. Wait. The only thing I have a problem with is the fact that this girl is supposed to be 16 years old. Right. Now, he he dated her. <laughs> so he's literally the guy from, he's Matthew McConaughey saying, <laughs> I keep that's what I love about Miku. I keep getting older. She stays the same age. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And I mean, she's not 16. 
the no. way they draw her and everything is like not a 16 year old, but it, but it, she is, they say she is. So there's a little weirdness there for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think that is more to do with representations of women in, in animation and in, and in fiction in general, mm-hmm. animated fiction in general, especially uh, that is geared towards straight cis men, particularly mm-hmm. um, than it is to do with uh Akihiko's proclivities. Mm-hmm, <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. be worried about him, you know, being attracted to minors just because he got with this ridiculous representation right. of a 16-year-old girl. I don't like, think there's many minors around that look like Miku. No. But Wandering, it's but it still is weird to say, still weird. oh, you're married to a hologram. Okay, well, that's weird. How old is she? 16. That's weirder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she's been 16 since 2008. So maybe she's 28 now in his mind. I don't know. I don't know. Look, write in. Tell us what you think, because I don't know what to think anymore. We've wrapped circles around ourselves logically here, and I can't make sense of any of it. I'm in a big Mobius pretzel. So Jeremy Barry. Yes, I'm in the little dot over the <laughs> over the eye. Over the eye, Jeremy Barry. So please just send us your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Try and clear this up for us to romance at iheartmedia.com. Or Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Dynamite Boom. And I'm at Oh Great, it's Eli. Or the show is at Ridic Romance. Please just tell us something. Just just be a real person on the other end of a digital thing because yes, that's what I need right now. Digitally interact with us, baby. <laughs> yes, we'll give you the code to our Omibods. <laughs> oh, wow. Every time you donate uh, 25 tokens, wow. we'll get a little buzz. I hope we get a sponsorship offer from Omibod. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, we hope to hear Omibod, from... Omibod, our DMs are open. Yes. <laughs> to all sex toy companies and... You wonderful fans. We hope to hear from you soon. We'll see you on the next one. Love you. Bye. So long, friends. It's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and aunts to listen to our show, Ridiculous Romance. I'm Katya Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.
Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.